0: Hello, my friends. Welcome. My name is Joe. This is The Joe Martino Show. If you're new here, welcome. If you're a returner, welcome to that. I've gotten some questions about, hey, are you going to be on Audible? Are you going to be in all the new places where podcasts are popping up? Yes, I am. We're working on that right now as we speak. But today I want to talk about all or nothing thinking and how you can examine yourself so that you can be the best change agent possible and usher mental and emotional well-being and health into our society let's kick it off this is the joe martino show you're listening to the joe martino show a podcast dealing with all things emotional relational and human nature joe is a licensed counselor in the state of michigan specializing in relationship therapy he is also the author of the book the emotionally secure couple all advice offered in this episode is offered for entertainment and educational purposes only enjoy the show All right. Welcome, my friends. I'd like to talk to you today about something I'm hearing a lot about. But before we do that, I want to take a moment and I want to recognize that we are almost through 2020. Uh, What a year it has been, the pandemic. We've got elections coming up. When this podcast drops, I think it'll be exactly two weeks to the election, like 13 days. Uh, Christmas is coming. Thanksgiving is coming. I'm getting a lot of emails about, hey, what do we do with family that we don't like? I've talked about this in the past. My wife and I talk about it a lot a lot. I don't know where we where it's written that we have to like everyone or that we have to get along with everyone. I do know where it's written that we should be kind to everyone, uh, that we should treat everyone with respect. And I think we've got those a little twisted. We've got nice and kind twisted. One of the things that I love about the English language, is that it is so robust. There are so many words. There are so many words that could mean multiple things, and it's a beautiful language, in my opinion. And yet, one of the things that happens is we tend to blend words. We tend to get words that have different meanings, and we run them together. And so, I think we get nice and kind. I think that's that's two of the words that we tend to get a little twisted. And as we roll into this holiday season, I'm getting emails uh, Facebook messages about two things upcoming family gatherings and how are we going to handle conversations? Are we going to wear masks? Are we not going to wear masks? Somebody wants to wear a mask, nobody else wants to wear a mask. And then I'm getting conversations uh, about ladies' dates or ladies' weekends away. And it appears to me to be there's a lot of drama going on. Uh, in female friendships. I'm not getting it from the guys. that doesn't mean it isn't happening. In fact, it probably is they're just not emailing me about it uh, or probably is a little bit uh, for both for both genders, but I'm getting a lot of like, hey, three of my girlfriends went out and I didn't get invited and I feel like I'm never invited. What do I do? That type of thing. A- and this is important to me for one, I want people to have emotional health. but for two, I believe that emotional health really comes from, you know dealing with the story in our head dealing with the voice in our head that makes sense of everything else that we're doing and i believe in in every, in the possibility that everyone can be healthy i believe in the possibility that everyone can have great emotional health no matter how hard their lives are in fact i would say that emotional health and the hardness of your life has nothing to do with each other there is Uh, numerous accounts of people with very difficult lives having fulfilling and very uh, emotionally healthy lives because they learn to deal with the narrative in their head. So for instance, Karen wrote in and, and actually it's kind of funny. She signed her email, Karen, and she said, yes, that's my real name. And no, I don't want to talk to the manager. But Karen wrote in and essentially her email says, hey, uh, there is a group of five of us who have been friends uh, for a majority of time, and, and based on the email I'm gathering, that had to, had to do with like high school to however old she is now, and then there's another group of five that have, have joined in this group, have moved into our community, and I don't like all of them, but I do want to be friends with the one person who sounds like she's the alpha from, from the first group, and she's friends with the second five, so we have to put up with them. But here's the thing, they did a retreat uh, to Gatlinburg, and I wasn't invited, and that hurt my feelings. I think it's because I hate all politicians. And then again, she wrote, no, really, I hate both Democrats and Republicans, and prefer Libertarians. And, And I have some other views on social justice. I'm trying to summarize the email, Karen. So, so she writes, like, what do I do? Well, here's the thing. You can't do anything with your friends. They didn't invite you. I realize that hurts. I would challenge you to, to ask yourself, what happened and what is my brain telling me about it? And then what am I doing inside my head? In other words, what is it that my brain is telling me to make sense of what's going on? And what do I control in this? You know, I have all sorts of questions and one of the things that I like to do, even if it's myself, is I like to question the assumptions that lead to the place where we're at. So Karen, okay, you're hurt. Well, why are you hurt? There's, there's a question. Why are you hurt? Well, they, they, they cut me out. Okay, well, why did they cut you out? Maybe they only had so many people and they had to make tough choices. Maybe they don't like you. I don't know. Maybe they wanted to have a political rally and they knew you wouldn't want to go. Uh, I I don't know what the reason would be, but why why does that bother you? And then why did did they do that? But then what specifically do you expect out of your friendship? Do you expect them to invite you every time they get the band together, so to speak? I have to be honest with you, I don't. Very rarely do I carry an expectation that I'll get invited to a party. If I do, that's nice. To be honest with you, I'm not even sure it's nice because I'm such an introvert. My wife and I are such introverts that going to a party can actually be very stressful for us. Once we're there, I'm fine, but, but you know, getting ready to go, if I had my choice between Friday night with just my wife or my wife and my kids, or my wife and you know maybe two close friends, or a party, I would choose not the party almost every time. Now, we do go to a couple parties a year, and it's fine, and, and the same people who invite us sometimes have parties that we're not invited to, And I think that's fine. Like, that's okay. They, I don't have an expectation that I should be invited to every party. Now, Karen, I got to tell you, you're not the only woman to write in and talk to me about this. So I'm guessing with girls, there's a little bit of a different expectation, but you really need to run out what your expectation is. Uh, For instance, I'll be really honest with you. When I talk to my wife about this, she told me point blank, the idea of going away for just a weekend with girls is strange to her. It's not an expectation that she has. If she's going to go to Gatlinburg, and I don't know the only thing, the only thing I don't know, Karen, I, only, I know one Karen that lives in Tennessee, and I think you would have told me if you were her. Uh, so I don't know where you live, but your friends went to Gatlinburg. Uh, so um, you did not write me back before I made the recording of this show to tell me where you live. But wherever you live, I don't know what the culture is there. I know for my wife here, you know, like here, if you live in Tennessee, I'm going to guess Gatlinburg is like going to Traverse City here in Michigan, or maybe going to Frankenmuth in the the winter months. And my wife just doesn't carry that expectation. And I'm not saying because my wife doesn't and you do that you're wrong and she's right. What I want you to do is I want you to ask yourself, why do you carry that expectation? Because what I really want to get into today is this all or nothing thinking that is permeating our conversations, and I believe that is destroying emotional and mental well-being in our, in our individuals, in our families, in our society, we are actually attacking mental well-being by living in all or nothing thinking, well, they didn't invite me to this party so they don't like me. And Karen, you didn't quite say that, but you did kind of, right? And so see, so when I get done, you might want to talk to my manager. And so when you run that out, what is the expectation that you have and why do you have it? And if they really hurt you, you can always go and be like, hey, I was hurt. But I really do. I want to know why. Why do you think that you have to be invited to all of them? There could be a gazillion reasons why you couldn't go. And, you know, so Karen wrote in. uh, Teresa wrote in. A couple other women wrote in. Uh, I did have a guy write in about a fight with his wife. And it's actually very interesting because he's having an argument with his wife over how they should approach mask wearing. He doesn't want to wear one. She does. And he went to great lengths to explain to me in the email that it's not that he doesn't want to wear it in public. She wants to wear it when they hang out with family members. And I'm going to assume that it's not like, you know, when he and her together or their kids, it's when they go to his family's or they go to her family's. And I'm going to guess it's when they go to her, his family's that the rub comes up because none of his family wants to wear them. Now, here's the thing. This comes down to some questions. Again, what does it mean to love your wife? What does it mean for your wife to love you? Why do you care if you don't wear your ma- if you wear your mask? when you don't want to? Why does your wife care if you don't wear it when she wants you to? These are questions of exploration that you have to go after. and I'm going to suggest that most of the answers are going to come down to you wanting power over your wife. you giving power. That's my phone uh, ringing there. I just sent a friend of mine a text. And he texted me back. So we're going to leave that in. And I'm going to go back to what I was saying about the email, about the mask wearers. My guess is that you are going to come to some conclusions about you wanting power over your wife, your wife wanting power over you, you giving power to your family because you're afraid that they're going to judge you. And so you get into this this debate, this argument, this fight over what you should do, and it typically will escalate. Because most of our arguments are about power. Now, t- some, you know, the three basic things, I think I talked about this last week, that people fight over is love, money, and power. But most of them interpersonally are about power. You do what I want you to do. Woof, if the answer is no. I'm going to do what you want me to do, but then my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, somebody's going to judge me. Woof. And so one of the things that happens, and I'm noticing this in our society, we're coming to this place where We 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 have falsely stated that we have to either be a doormat or we have to be a jerk. In fact, I was telling my wife the other day, I want to write a book called You Don't Have to Be A D I Asterisk Asterisk or just be a doormat. Like you get to be, you, 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 there's a lot of space between those when you have the conversations that are hard. And a lot of times I hear people say, well, I just tell them. I just tell them the way it is. I'm a B, and that's the way it is. And, and like, I get it. There's a lot of people who have experienced trauma. They've had hard things happen to them. And they're pushing back. They've had enough. But when you push too far back, you become the oppressor. Right? So the guy that wrote in about his mask, the mask thing with his wife, there's another guy that wrote in uh, they can't figure out where they want to stay, like which how they want to do the holidays. Evidently, they see each side of parents, so they see his parents and his wife's parents for Thanksgiving and Christmas, and usually they do like two days with one, and then they must all live in the same town. They drive across town, and they stay with the other family. And this year, it's supposed to be his family's turn for them to stay at his parents' house on Thanksgiving Day, and, and her family would have to then celebrate Thanksgiving a different day. But her family's leaving town. He's like, so what do I do? Well, I'm not going to tell you that. I don't know. I mean, I could give you alternatives, but I, I, I'd like to think that you probably have the cognitive capacity to come up with a few of those alternatives yourself. Uh, you think about my friend Karen who wrote in. Karen, by the way, I appreciate you listening, and I do appreciate you writing in. She asked me point blank, what do I do? I'm not going to tell you that, but I do want to ask you, some questions. I want you to examine your own thinking. I want you to examine yourself because the only way we truly become change agents in society is by looking at ourselves first, foremost, and most deeply. The only way we become change agents in society is by looking at ourselves first, foremost, and deeply. So whether it's Karen who wrote in or JP who wrote in, or I don't remember the third guy with the Thanksgiving and the Christmas conundrum. I don't remember his name and I don't have my email up. I apologize. Regardless of that, instead of focusing on the argument or even the other person, I want you to take a look at yourself first. I want you to look at yourself. And like I did ask a couple of you in emails, well, why is this a big deal to you? What's driving you? And where are you caught in all or nothing thinking? In other words, okay, so Karen, my friend who wrote in, not actually my friend, I don't know her, but I do appreciate her listening. Karen wrote in, well, they didn't invite me, so they must not like me because that hurt. One of the things that our brain does, our brain does two way, has two main ways that it helps us to process this wonky world that we live in. One of them is that it creates... Uh, well, I can't think of the word bookmarkers, if you will, cognitive bookmarkers that, that are easily referenced. They help us to process life. They help us to do things. This is called stacking as well. It's one of the things that benefits you when you're driving. You don't actually have to know how fast the other car is coming. You can guesstimate it and estimate it, etc. And then the other thing that it does is it creates mental models. And we use mental models... To process the world, we use mental models to make sense of the world. For instance, almost every week when my clients come into the room, right, they come in as they walk into our lobby, especially in a time of COVID now, we we try to time it so that I meet them literally as soon as they come through the door and I'm like, come on back. And they walk in and they sit down uh, on the couch and I sit in a chair. Even if they're an individual, they typically sit on the couch and I sit on the chair. They have a mental model of how therapy is supposed to work. I had a young man number of years ago come in. He'd never been to therapy before, and he's like, "Wait, you're gonna sit there?" I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "I thought you would sit behind me," uh, because he watched some videos somewhere of Freudian psychologist, and in, in Freudian psychology, they do sit behind you, and you know, it's that, so that their voice is like your subconscious or something. And I was like, nope, that isn't how it works here. So his mental model worked and that he went in and and, and laid down on the couch, which is fine if that's what he wants to do. And it didn't work because I threw a wrench in it. Often when we feel pain, it's because our mental models have been disrupted and we have a mental model for what we should do with pain. And that mental model is vulnerable to pain cognitive or thought distortions such as all or nothing thinking. Think about the guy that wrote in. He has a mental model that has worked evidently in years past for how he and his wife celebrate the holidays with their family. Uh, the fa- both families live in a, in, a, in a town from here where this couple's from. They travel over there. Uh, one day they spend Thursday or Wednesday and Thursday they spend with one family And then Friday and Saturday, they spend with another family, the other family, and then they come home. That's the mental model of how Thanksgiving works for him. And yet, as they're processing through this, his wife's like, oh, hey, here's a wrench into the mental model system. I can't do that this year. My family's leaving town. Uh, Can we spend Wednesday and Thursday with my family and Friday and Saturday with your family? boom, there goes his mental model. And now there's pain, anguish, fear, and on the tail end of those emotions is anger. And so I wrote him back and I said, well, is your expectation that all the holidays will go exactly as planned? And he wrote back and said, no, of course not. So I wrote back again and I said, well, then is your expectation that if the plans get changed, the schedule is not able to be moved? It is rigid. He wrote back and said, no. And I said, well, then I don't see the problem. Oh, I wrote it back to him and said, I don't see the problem. He wrote me back and said, you don't see the problem. We're supposed to be with my family on Thanksgiving Day. And I said, yeah, but you just said you don't think the, the schedule is supposed to be rigid. And he wrote back and said, yeah, but my mom wants to do it on Thanksgiving Day. And now we're to the source of the emotion. He's letting his mama down. And as a, as a, as a former mama's boy, former, because my mom has passed, I get it. You don't want to let your mama down. But you're now caught in some cognitive distortions where you have some incongruencies in what you're saying and how you're acting. And until we had our email exchange, the only incongruencies he saw were the ones in his wife. And this is typically the source of most of our anger. So you might be thinking, well, Joe, I know you're ADHD, but what did that whole book title have to do with this? Well, Part of it is, is I'm afraid in our society, one of the reasons we're losing the ability to have conversation is because we get caught in all or nothing thinking. And and the all or nothing thinking is, is if I don't stand up and I don't force feed my opinion to people, nobody's going to hear me and we all want to be heard. In fact, I was teaching uh, mirroring to someone recently and Uh, one of them actually said to me, well, how do you make sure you get heard? And I said, by making sure that you're hearing the other person. And she looked at me and and with with great self-awareness, she's like, that won't work for me. Why wouldn't that work for her? Because she was afraid she wouldn't be heard. And what we've done is, is, as we're not there yet, but as we are adding our voices to, hey, a lot of people have gone through a lot of traumas and, and they've been ignored, we're going too far the other way. And we're telling people, well, it's okay to be a jerk if you've been hurt. It's okay to be a jerk if you're angry. It's okay to be a jerk if you're scared. It's okay to be a jerk if you're sad. And it's not. I had a client who was like, my boss just doesn't hear me if I don't scream at her. I was like, well, maybe you could just go back and, and say that to her. Hey, I don't feel like you hear me unless you I scream at you. And I don't like that for our relationship. We don't have to be friends, but we are coworkers. How could we best communicate? I had a client that was uh, an electrician, and we were talking about how one of the guys at his job site who he didn't work for, but the guy was responsible for coordinating all of the different things happening at the job site. He was like, he's just mean. And so I stood up to him and I started screaming. I'm like, okay, so you're halfway home that you stood up to him is good. Now we gotta work on not screaming. Well, yeah, but he's being a jerk. Yeah, but that's irrelevant. The other person's behavior shouldn't dictate your behavior. And the whole idea behind this book that I'm going to write someday now, it's, it's in my to write queue, is you can effectively communicate without being a jerk. Now, the, the other rub in this, right, the other fly in this ointment is in our society, we've come to the place where if somebody tells us something we don't like to hear, they're being a jerk. So we've created haters. Oh, you disagree with me, you critique me, you're a hater. And we have simultaneously told everybody, you know what? Bees get ahead, jerks get ahead, a-holes get ahead. And that's just not true. In fact, there's a book that I read, and I don't remember which one it was, but ah, uh, what was it? Doesn't matter. Where he actually had empirical data to show that most of the time the people who are mean to other people, it it falls off eventually that they they report less satisfaction with their quality of life because you end up alone. So if we're going to be change agents, we have to look at ourselves and say, what's really frustrating me about this situation? And so, like the guy that wrote in, I mean, we, we exchanged probably 15 emails. And, and I finally told him, I said, you know, I said, have you considered that you might just want to go to your wife and be like, yes, we can go and we can make this change. But I am bothered because I'm going to be letting my mom down. My mom really was looking forward to doing it on Thanksgiving Day. Can you say to her, I just don't like change. And so my initial response is, uh, but I'll get used to it and I'll be okay. Whatever the root there is, can you engage that way? Uh, I was driving the other day and I saw someone who my life is intersected with who wronged me. Um, and I have the proof, but because of, I just don't do this, I don't talk about it. I, I saw this woman... She waved, I waved, and I felt this stirring in my soul of anger. So I asked myself, why am I angry? Well, you're angry because she wronged you. She did this, fill in the blank. And I was like, yep, that's true. She did wrong people. Why am I angry? I think it's, I think it's almost two years later now. In fact, my company is better without that person in it now. Well, because you think she's telling people lies. That's true. And like, there was like this gong in my soul. So I could be a jerk, right? I could go and tell her off. But here's the thing, even in my discomfort, my pain, if you will, I don't want to be that guy. Now, look, I'm not afraid to say what needs to be said. If you know me, you know, that's true. I will say what needs to be said, what I believe needs to be said based on my conscience and my understanding of the situation. And sometimes people are taken back by that. That's not the same thing as intentionally being a jerk. In fact, I called a guy just this morning, a a friend of mine. I called him and I said, hey, uh, I want to let you know that I feel like I was short with you the other day and I apologize. He called me in the middle of my work day. I typically have 15 minutes between clients. He called me during those 15 minutes. I was talking to my wife, got some bad news about a business deal we're trying to do. Switch over to him. And he's talking to me about his need. And I was like, I just felt like I was short and I apologize. Because the thing is, I I'd be like, well, I was just busy. But that's not helpful. That's all or nothing thinking. And I wasn't even upset with him. I'm talking about looking at your thinking and trying to find something less than all or nothing. Less than, well, and and most of the time, the reason what happens is, is we experience fear because we have all or nothing thinking. Well, this happened. And if I let it slide, it's going to go forever. Well, what does that even mean? Like, How do you not let it slide? For 99% of the things, so we got to take the 1% that's criminal and move that off the table. For the other 99%, the only way you don't let it slide is you call it out. You're like, hey, this happened and this is how I feel about it. But you do that in a kind way. Above all, be kind. But kind isn't the same as nice. The other person, you could be kind and the other person could walk away mad. Like the one guy told me, I said, you could tell your wife, you know what? This is, this is our year to be at my mom and dad's on Thanksgiving Day. And I understand that your family's leaving town, but I didn't make them make those plans. And I really think that we should go there. And you're going to have to live in that tension. And sooner or later, one of you, either you or your wife, is going to need to to compromise by probably conceding. Now, I love compromise where everybody gets a little bit of what they don't want and no one gets everything that they do want. In situations like this, that's probably close to impossible. I did suggest, could you do two meals on the same day, you know, Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving, both places, whatever. Here's what I'm trying to get at: the argument isn't about where you're eating Thanksgiving. The argument isn't about the fact that your girlfriend's went away to Gatlinburg. The argument isn't whether or not you wear mask uh, at your family's house or not. The argument is how are you treating each other in that moment? How are you approaching the topic? How are you approaching the disagreement? And I would encourage you to really consider the idea that if you're angry, if you're pushing hard, ask yourself what's going on. So, one of the things I talk about all the time with my clients is the 555 five, five rule. I've talked about it on this show numerous times. If in five days, five weeks, five months, five years, I'm standing over my wife's grave, well, this thing that we're about to argue over, I'm standing over my friend Ryan or my friend John's grave, my friend Joe's grave. Will this thing that we're about to argue over, will it matter? And if it doesn't, then it probably doesn't matter in this moment. And so then I have to ask myself questions. Why am I upset? What's the thing that's actually driving my my anger, my upsetness? Why am I digging in my heels on this? What's driving me? And am I being the kindest version of myself that I can be? You don't have to be nice. You have to be kind. And don't get it twisted. Don't get in all or nothing thinking. Where you're stuck arguing universals because this is the building block to good conversation. This is one of the foundational building blocks to good communication. Looking into, inward towards yourself first, asking yourself what's going on with you, and then sharing that information with the person that you're involved in the conversation with in the kindest way possible. What happens is once we, once we let the all or nothing animal loose, We tend to be run by our feelings. We tend to be run by our emotions completely. And we have to step back from that. We have to ask ourselves, what's the mental model that my brain is using to make sense of this situation? How does that work? What am I doing? One of the things uh, that my wife and I were just talking about the other day is how often people think that they're going to get their spouse to do something by barking at them. You're just not going to. People aren't motivated by being barked at. If you want to motivate your spouse, you want to motivate your children, double down on legitimate affirmation. Call out what's necessary, right? Like, hey, you said you were going to do this and you didn't, or you did this and we don't believe, you know, we don't really want that behavior in our home if you're talking to your kids. If you're talking to your spouse, that'd be an interesting conversation. But you know, hey, this is going on and I'm I'm wondering what's going on with you. Those are fine conversations. But the barking, the the people who give themselves an excuse to be mean because that's how they get what they want, that is not who who I want to be. That's not who I want to be surrounded by. And I think if I were to get that person alone in a room, that isn't even who they want to be. And typically what it is is we blame the other person. Well, of course I don't want to be that person, but it's the only way I can get them to do what I want. Well... That is a terrible excuse that is rooted in all or nothing thinking. It really is. And so my question is, okay, well, what happens if they don't do what you want? Well, then I don't get what I want. Oh, so you don't get the power you want. And that's where people get hung up. That's where people get, they, they get stuck. And so for you, as, as you, as we're, we're going to, excuse me, as we're going to wind this down. As you start to think about your conversations as we move into fall, where we've got some big things coming up, you know, big discussions, who's going to win the election? What does it mean if they win the election? Should we stack the Supreme Court? Should you stay on Facebook? Should you get off Facebook? Should you stay on Instagram? Should you get off Instagram? Uh, should kids have TikTok? Should kids not have TikTok? What are we doing to the, what's our response to the COVID-19 situation? Is MOB really fixed? These are important issues for us to think about. As you lean into that, you have to start by looking at yourself first and look for the cognitive distortion of all or nothing thinking. And then how you look for that, if if you can't find it in your thinking, then look at your behaviors and are your behaviors kind? Are you the kindest version of yourself that you can be, even if you have to call out some behavior? If you're not, there's, there's all or nothing thinking probably somewhere. I have to put probably in there or I'll be guilty of all or nothing thinking. See how that works? Okay, so hopefully this, if this is new to you, hopefully I've given you something to chew on. If it's not new to you, hopefully I've still given you something to chew on that will, will just get you through the next few days as you ponder the final quarter of this calendar year. Uh, I do want to let you know that I do have some speaking engagements coming up. Be sure to be on my website, jomartino.com. Hit subscribe. You can also find us on facebook.com forward slash Counseling and we will uh, announce the exact dates there. It's November 21st. Uh, how to, how, what do we do when we have survived the loss of someone we love in a situation that is death by suicide? How do we, how do we move forward? Uh, it's going to be totally virtual, so you'll have no risk of COVID. Uh, you'll be able to watch it online in the comfort of your home. There will be an interactive time of questioning as well questions as well Uh, we are uh, moving forward with a lot of our plans we're just waiting really for uh, some of these COVID situations to be resolved one way or the other so that we know how to best proceed moving forward uh, and keep everyone safe all right thanks so much for listening we'll catch you next week thanks for listening if you enjoyed today's show please share with a friend and hey give us that rating in your podcast store Until next time, change possible.